They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two bald pastors. Welcome to the Two Bald Pastors podcast. I'm Pastor Joe McGarry. And I'm Pastor Jeff Sinabaldo. And we are two follically challenged pastors serving congregations in the New England Synod of the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, or as we like to call the ELCA. So we have a great opportunity for our first podcast to be able to sit down and chat with Bishop Elizabeth Eaton, the presiding bishop of the ELCA. Welcome, Bishop, and thanks for spending some time with us today. You're very welcome. You know, in my first call, I served as an assistant pastor uh, with the senior pastor being follically challenged, and he said it wasn't about uh, production, it was about distribution. <laughs> nice, there you, <laughs> there you go, there you go, there you go. So, so one of the things we learned about you, Bishop Eaton, this morning is that you like what was it, goat cheese and cherry ice cream. Yes. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? I mean, we weren't it sure that. It's sketchy. <laughs> yeah. It isn't. It's, it's Jenny's um, um, Amazing or Jenny's Wonderful Ice Cream. It's a Columbus-based ice cream uh, maker. And it's actually, it tastes like cheesecake. Oh, wow. Little, That's nice. There's a little sort of goat-like tang to it. So Nice, yeah. nice. I have to look that up. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I was a voting member at the 2013 Churchwide Assembly in Pittsburgh. You. It was, yeah, it was, it was my fault. And I want to say one of the things that impressed me about you early on was your clarity, uh, clarity on, on Jesus and clarity on the church. And I just thought maybe you could share a little bit uh, for us, since you've done a lot of this, uh, talking about your four points or just who Jesus is to you, really, and what that means uh, for you as a leader and as a follower. Sure. Um, uh, just about a year or so before I knew I would be eligible to stand for a re-election as a synod bishop and that there was the remote possibility that my name might be surfaced as a, a, a person for the um, presiding bishop's role, I started to work with a spiritual director, which has never been part of my piety or my understanding. I thought it would be like CPE meets Kumbaya, and I was just really worried <laughs> yeah. about the whole thing. And um, so we were working, and... Um, she, she said, well, we'll try a semi-silent guided retreat. And I said, that's not going to work for me. I talk a lot, but we did. And one of the things she finally said, you know, here's this, just think about this for a moment. Here's a, a completely hypocritical story, but there's a man, and he was uh, in a hotel room, and he, it was dark, and he tripped over something and fell out the window of his hotel, which we know they don't open anymore, so it's a, not a true story. <laughs> but anyway, so he clung to the ledge all night for dear life, just clung to it. In the morning, the sun rose, and he found out he was six inches off the ground the whole time. Oh, wow, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And she said, that's where we are. That's God is right there, and so can you let go? And then I realized I, I, I had a sense that I was falling and not afraid anymore. And then, then Jesus became more real. I was good at the theory of Jesus because I went to Harvard, so we had a good at theory of everything. But then to, um, to allow myself to be loved that way was important. And then... Uh, last year, when we were making the Synod Assembly video, we were trying to ask people, you know, what does it mean to be church? And usually people talk about what they could do. And I had this one instance where these people were doing wonderful work in their community. I said, who walks with you when you're doing that? Oh, my congregation, they're my community. I said, that's yeah. right, that's yeah. really wonderful. Who walks with them? Oh, there are more of us. And finally I said, what about Jesus? Yeah. yeah. And then I realized it's not that they didn't have this relationship with Jesus, but for large swaths of our people, Naming that and, and being able to speak about this deep love that we've experienced in Jesus is just not something we do, or Jesus has become wallpaper. Mm -hmm. And that's not get it, get it. Um, you hear over and over again that people are spiritual and not religious. I think an accurate criticism of parts of our church is that we become re religious 
and not spiritual. Not spiritual, yeah. And it's important for us to say Jesus is a living relationship, a living being in whom we have our being. Yeah, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, that, and, and to, to find ways that we can fully embrace and feel that love and that support, not only from the people in our congregation, but from God is, is critical for our people today. And, it, and it's so difficult, I think, to, to do that because it, it feels as though it's not a natural thing, maybe. Um, that we do, we can have the tangible support from our congregation, mm -hmm. but we can have the, the hugs or the encouragement, but to, to truly feel the love of God in a, in a real way is, is... And be able to speak about that. And that's to be able to talk about it. all yeah. different yeah. congregations. Yeah. There are numbers of congregations where it's quite natural for them to say, I cannot make it through a day unless I had the support of my Lord Jesus with me. And they say it naturally and not in a way that they're beating people over the head. Right. But for a lot of us, we, we, we're still not able to do that. Right, right. So, so no, you've been a presiding bishop for a few years now. So, not and quite two. That's not quite two. Um, and so, before that, you were a synodical bishop, and that you are a parish pastor and and a member of a congregation. Um, so, how has your perspective changed in the different roles that you've had as a leader and a follower of Jesus? About the church, about Jesus, about anything. 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 Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, when I was a, um, a parishioner. Um, I knew about my local church, and that was wonderful. I had deep respect for my pastor, who was one of these pastors who could leave lots of space for people to ask questions if they needed to do that. So it was pretty huge as for, you know, for a high school student to do that. But I actually asked him, well, what do you do the rest of the week, thinking that pastors only worked on Sundays? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> one day a week, it's a good gig. Yeah. Like occasional wedding or funeral. Right. So, um, but then that was, there was a very uh, close connection between our pastor and, and his people and us. And that was, that was great. Then I went, um, I became ordained and realized that, they, that we do work more than, than Sundays. Right. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. just in case to be clear out there, <laughs> way more than on Sundays. And it's a joy, um, but we're busy folks and working hard um, to see that and then to see the church at work in, in communities, um, in the community I served and in um, uh, work with um, other ecumenical partners or just other in the ministerium or even mm -hmm. interreligious things. So that was and to get a better scope of what happens in congregational life. Then as a bishop, um, synod bishop, it just, we get to see, I get to see um, even how more, um, uh, how further flung we are as the ELCA, as Lutherans. It's not just the individual, it's not just the individual congregation, that there, there's more that we can do together. And then as presiding bishop to see, now it's not only the United Big States picture. and the Caribbean, yeah. but it's the, all, the whole world right. and we, yeah. we show up um, with our brothers and sisters all over the world. Yeah. And yeah. it gets a lot more complicated. It's, um, um, it's I'm so, I, I love parish ministry. I was a parish pastor for 25 years, and I love that. But sometimes I get frustrated when we start to say that uh, some people think that the, you know, the church-wide expression is the only one. We only, we're the only ones who know what's going on, or synods, or, or congregations, and it's, it's not. We can learn from each other. We, we can, definitely can. We definitely can. And, and as your perspective has grown, and as you've seen different... Uh, churches and ministries. Um, have you ever said, stop doing that? You know, it's, it's killing you. This is what's preventing us from being effective. Um, you know, what is that, that, that one thing that, that you've seen over and over again that you have observed that it's being an obstacle, that people are being an obstacle for themselves and moving forward in ministry or connecting with their communities or, or whatever that means? What is, is, is there one thing or is there... A short list of things that you've seen over and over again? Probably a short list of things. Um, I'll start with the ones that are not, they're, 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 they're barriers, but they're probably not 
the root or the most important thing. Um, we're very tribal in this church. So we divide into our a former ALC, former LCA. You probably don't know that because you're too young to remember it. <laughs> I've heard it once or twice. Yeah, yeah, yeah so yeah. that's still a problem. Or we divide into our ethnic origins, even though maybe that's been three or four generations since we've been there. Um, we divide into understanding a particular parochial understanding of Lutheranism, which is right now predominantly the European-American experience, which is not who we are as the ELCA right, anymore, and right, certainly right. not who we are as Lutherans around the world. And uh, somehow we, 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 um, we start to, um, it becomes more important about our, our culture um, or our ethnic backgrounds or our denomination than it is about Jesus. Right. And that holds us back. Um, and I think another thing that holds us back is that uh, our, you know, our folks are at least 20 years older than the uh, average um, age of the United States. And you have people who did happen to come and grow up in church after World War II which was an unnatural upward trend in church attendance in this country. It is not the standard, but that became the norm. And so we've got these people who are clinging to what they remember of their past. I once heard it described this way, nostalgia is the abdication of memory. Mm -hmm. And so they want to hold on to that. So you've got all these people remembering the good old days, which probably weren't as good as we That's thought. As you, as you remember. And yeah. for some groups in this church, they were not good at all. And they just are going on about the glory days and you see, then you see have all these people who are basically sitting shiva or in mourning for the church that they remembered. Who wants to be a part of that? Right, you know, right, oh, right. swell, they're in mourning. I'm joining that. <laughs> right, right, right. And then we really believe that the church is ours. It is not our church. It's Christ's it's Christ church. church. Amen. And yeah. that's the one we have to stop. It's not our church. It's not our church. Mm -hmm. Right, right. I was uh, really impressed by your thing you did in your sermon last night uh, with us where you said it, it's a calling that we're all a part of as far as ministry leadership being pastors and congregations but we said yes to that too i have a, a very close friend of mine about a year and a half ago he left his call because he was burned out mm. uh, i just wondered if you had any advice for leaders in the church who are passionate about jesus passionate about good news passionate about the church that we love but are getting closer and closer to that cliff uh, is there anything you can help us with to consider mm -hmm. along those lines? Wow. Well, first, um, and I, I don't know your, your, your colleague, and this is no indictment of is it he or she, he, he yeah. um, or of us, but we, it, we have to remember it's not our church. Yeah. And so, you know, our, a, a wise person once said to me, I think it was Henry Horn, as an hmm. advisor, he said, if you let it, the church will take every minute of your time. Mm. Yeah. And so to be clear, to set those boundaries, which is not selfish, being well-defined makes us more effective. So we can't save the church. And there are some folks in our church um, who will take every single second of your time and everybody else's. Um, I think it's, it's a, it can be a very lonely, lonely job. So being in a colleague group and then having friends outside of the church, yep. that's really important. It's probably important for your families as well. Um, and then... Um, do we ever, do we take care of our spiritual health? Sometimes I think we're the last ones ever, ever to do that. Like Lutherans talk about grace, but are the least likely to accept it. <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> rostered people talk about self-care and, and, and maintaining a, a, some spiritual health, and maybe we say, well, but I need, need to make this committee meeting or someone's in the hospital. You know, you, we could take 10 minutes for heaven's sake. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 And, it's, okay. and sometimes it's just, 
it's fun. It's a fun job. Have it fun. It is fun. Yeah. But yeah. also, you just have to realize sometimes it's martyrdom by meeting. Right? Yeah. 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 Absolutely. Yeah. The two of us were introduced by a mutual friend mm -hmm. uh, because of similar interests that we have, and uh, it kind of turned into a, a growing friendship. And it's really been a nice check-in place, I think, yeah. for both of yeah. us, too. I mean, we both send each other a couple texts a day, saying, "Hey, everything going okay?" Or uh, been, and that's really huge. It's been helpful. Yeah. And I don't know if you're married or not, but our spouses can't always take that weight, right. though. It's important to make sure you spend time with the spouse yeah. and with the family. Because for a lot of people, they were married before they ordained, and that's a vow that they made before yeah. their vocation. So that's important. Um, in Celtic spirituality, it's called an anamkara, or a soul friend. Mm. And maybe it doesn't have to be a formal, like a spiritual direction, but you guys have found this way to check in to make yeah. sure you're not going off the rails. Right, yeah. right, yeah. right. And yeah, we, we both are married and have children, and, mm -hmm. and something that I found that's been really great is my son has an interest in playing football, mm -hmm. and uh, Jeff's son plays basketball. We both have been coaching, and to have that connection outside of the church has been mm -hmm. really helpful to, to see, yeah, the, the world is bigger than our church community, and, and there are people who exist that are not just in our churches, so, mm -hmm. so it's been really, really neat. But, but part of that is, is having a busy family, and uh, one of the emphasis that we would like to have in this podcast is a connection that we have in the church or our faith, and how do we connect that to the real world. So advice that you could give us on helping people and ourselves navigate super busy lives that we have uh, so that we can make that connection from uh, our faith life into the real world and vice versa, real world into our life of faith as well. Well, first, the, the life of faith and uh, the life of, um, of, of uh, the gospel and of church, that is the real world. Yeah. Because yeah. I used to get that all the time from building uh, committee chair people. Well, pastor, you deal with the spiritual thing. <laughs> we, we we'll no, ours is the real world. But I get, I get the point. And the pressure, I think, because we have we had two girls, they both played, you know, um, uh, little league softball, mm -hmm. and of course would have their practices at different fields at different, different times. Different yeah. And they were in cheerleading and band and the whole whole business, and it can just get kind of frantic. And then, then the pressure is from their peers to stay in in that. You just you have to carve some time out. But then, you know, we would always sometimes we'd be eating at 10 o'clock at night but we'd always eat dinner together and we'd always start with prayer yeah and just and then and end the day with a prayer too sometimes, yeah. sometimes we'd be pretty mumbled and tired but we would <laughs> yeah and you know it, it does take a toll on kids because i remember one of the girls really little holding on to my leg as i was going out the door saying please mommy don't go to another meeting yeah. and boy that really yeah. gets you it does yeah. it does and i think you know our parishioners I don't think when they have an issue of individual parishioner, they don't realize that there might be a hundred more parishioners having it also. And it's not that they mean to, to do this, but they, to, to be clear that we have a family life as well. And so I would be clear, not on a regular basis, and I, I try not to use my kids as examples, but I would mention something about my husband so people would remember that I'm, I'm, I have a family as well. Right, yeah. Yeah. right, right. Well, my daughter's 10. Uh, her name's Mia. And uh, for the last probably year or so, she's been talking about, you know, this church thing. I kind of like that. Uh, maybe I want to be a pastor someday. And I know part of that is just infatuation with dad and mm -hmm. wanting to, she's at that age, you know, um, want to be like dad. But, and I'm sure a lot of things will change over the years. But uh, as I explore that with her, um, I, I've lifted you up as a positive example of what that leadership looks like, uh, and not just for women, but for all of us. Uh, and I just wondered if you had something you could share with her about uh, exploring that discernment in her life or for me to help encourage her in that. Well, don't we explore that 
our whole lives. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. yeah we do. Right, we do. Right. So you know, it's not maybe something that's absolutely settled, but if she absolutely, yeah, if she feels strong, if she's sense of call, you know, if she's if she's got the gifts, um, you know, run, don't walk toward yeah. service in the church, which is not going to make you rich um, or even now have the kind of status it used to. But you know, where else do we have the chance? Um, in, in Jesus' name, to be with, with people in some of the most intimate times and passages in their lives and to love those people. I mean, it's, it really is a privilege. Yeah, absolutely. It and we do it, yeah. actually, we do it for the um, egg salad sandwiches at the funeral banquet. That's really <laughs> why we're in this room. No, no. <laughs> and it's the fun clothing. That's, That's uh, right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> those are bonuses, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, so one of the things that I've been doing is, is really trying to focus on my physical health. And I know how hard it is for me at times to think, oh, I'm so overwhelmed or I feel like I'm overwhelmed with the day-to-day -day tasks of ministry to say, to, to carve out time to go for a run or a bike ride and, and really to care for myself in that way. Uh, so, you know, I'm, I'm sure you have a busy schedule. Um, so are, are there ways that you have found time to, to really carve that that physical health uh, component out for yourself. When I was in the parish, it was it was a lot easier to do. And um, you know, in the first parish I served as an assistant. Let's be clear, um, was a large parish. You know, 500 in worship. By the time I left, over three services on a Sunday morning. Maybe we're 450. I don't remember. Anyways, but I still I still could find that time. And then when I um, served the last parish I served. You know, I, I did, unlike someone who had to report into a factory, and a lot of my folks worked in factories, and leave, they, I, I had some flexibility uh, during the day. So I made sure, first of all, I mean, this is not a, um, the most elegant way of putting it, but you've got to pay the rent. You know, that is a call that you have. You've got to love your people. You need to, you need to show up. Um, and, and, but then I, I found that my folks gave me latitude. So I was able to train for a marathon when I was in the parish. Oh, wow, wow. Synod Bishop, that wasn't happening. Um, I lived 75 miles from the Synod office, and so it was a 150-mile round trip every day. But, and then evening meetings, but I put a treadmill in the office. And so at lunch I could run. I have a treadmill in my office now. And little known fact, I've got a shower in my office. Wow, know, you're not crazy. messing around. <laughs> now you've really arrived. I have. It was there before I came. So. But then, you know, I, I know when, it's, so when I can, right now I'm trying to get back into um, some sort of more uh, regular, disciplined, um, physical, paying attention to my physical health. Um, because this, you know, this job, when I went from the parish to the synod, we sat around all day and ate pastries the size of our faces. Yeah. And if lay folks are l listening, don't give your pastor coffee and cookies at every single communion stop because <laughs> by the end of the week, it's, it's, we're, you're killing us. We yeah, love you. But, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, and people do that out of um, love. But then to, if it's a priority, I'll do it. But that's, I find that's the first thing I can bump out of the way when I'm tired saying, oh, I'll get to it tomorrow, and then pretty soon it turns into a week. It just, you have to be intentional about it. You have to be it. intentional, yeah, yeah. And to carve out that time is, is important. I find, at least for me, if I get it uh, done in the morning mm -hmm. before yeah, all the way. regular commitments happen, then I'm able to more likely to stay, to stay with it and, and to really uh, kind of keep up with it. But it, it, is, it is being prepared, you know, and also mm -hmm. with, with the food aspect, it's making sure that I have everything packed and ready to go so it's not, oh, I'm running from this meeting, this meeting, I'll just stop by a fast food restaurant and pick something up yeah. uh, that mm -hmm. might not be as healthy uh, to have, okay, I know what I'm doing today and I have my lunch and my water and mm -hmm. I'm good to go. 
And I think sometimes we feel guilty for spending time on ourselves. Once again, Lutheran's the most um, likely to preach about grace, but the least likely to accept it. Um, but you know, we don't. We work weekends, right? And uh, we also. So it's it's not as if we. I know. I knew in my in my last parish, um, and still now, some people have to work two, three jobs to make ends meet. But um, if I have a chance, and I'm still working hard, but to, to just take that time, it's, it's important and it will make me more able, I mean, Portico's thing, healthy leaders enhance lives is actually kind of true. Yeah, And we're is. not real effective if we're in the ER with chest pains. Right, yeah. right, and, and the, the wellness wheel, you know, I've heard a lot of people mm -hmm. talk about the wellness wheel, you know, and, and what is that all about, but, but taking a, a serious look at that and saying, am I well in these areas, or what am I doing to stay well in these mm -hmm. areas, or what areas can I improve on, really, really is the full body wellness that, that we all need. And, and as part of that, you're right, um, you know, we might, another thing that really takes a hit is, is, is for rostered leaders to sort of skimp on uh, prayer time or reading scripture, and I don't mean just to get your next sermon ready. Right, right, right. We'll let that go somehow. Yeah. Well, yeah. Not, I, I mean, if someone's dying or in a, a car accident, That's of course we're going to drop her and they yeah. want to be there. But can there be a time later in the week where you find a time to, to take care of yourself? Right, right, yeah. definitely. Yeah, I find a lot of times I'm enslaved by my to-do list. Oh, and, yeah, so. and, you, and you don't get off of that to actually care for yourself. You know, yourself but five months ways. later, do you come back to stuff on your desk and somehow it's taken care of itself? Yeah. And will one day, will we all leave our calls, either by uh, new call, retirement, or maturing to glory, and somehow the ministry will still go on? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Hate to admit it, but true. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have one last question that I've been uh, burning that it's been burning me. I really want to ask you. Uh, I'm going away in February. We wondered if you ever did supply work. No, we're just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> I think I'm, I'm booked, but I, I love that. <laughs> That's cool. We, we would love to have, we love to have <laughs> you supply in our churches at, at some point, you know. Uh, yeah, just right on the ocean, too. And, and That's right. The place yeah, is yeah, empty. Right, and, right in Old Saybrook, Connecticut. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you very much. We really appreciate you taking some time with us. Uh, Joe and I thank you, as well as everybody out there who's listening. And I uh, want to thank you for your leadership in the church and uh, throughout the wider community as well. So thanks for being with us Sure, today. and thanks for your ministry. Yeah. Thank you. Well, this has been uh, Two Bald Pastors. I'm Pastor Jeff. And I'm Pastor Joe. Bringing you faith in the real world. Thanks for listening. They might not have hair, but they really do care about faith and life. Two Bald Pastors.